Joni Ernst refuses to reauthorize VAWA, Dreamers get their day in court, and Trump is in big trouble. What a week. I'm Lauren McElmail, the Digital Director for Progress Iowa. And I'm Greg Howenstein, sitting in for Matt Sinovic. Our producer extraordinaire has kindly acquiesced to guest hosting with me while Matt is in D.C. On the other side of the mic. On the other side of the mic. Finally. My time to shine. Yes, and you get to sit at the big kids podcasting table now. (laughs) That's right. Not just in my basement (laughs) by myself. This is What a Week, where we break down the week's top stories uh, and how they affect Iowa and our country. So one of the big stories of the past couple weeks, actually, is how the talks for the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women, Women's Act has really broken down uh, kind of on Joni Ernst's watch and because kind of of Joni Ernst. No, not because kind of, because of Joni Ernst, because... She stepped out in the middle of traffic and put both hands out. <laughs> the, the sticking point for a lot of Republicans has been the gun reform provisions and also um, the transgender protection uh provisions because as we all know the nra has basically bought joni Ernst's. i mean it must be comfy in that pocket it must be comfy in that pocket it must have snacks the the and 3.1 million dollars because yes. the nra has spent 3.1 million dollars supporting joni Ernst, so that's how much it costs to buy someone's thoughts and prayers for <laughs> gun reform but so and i mean even as recently as this february around the time of the anniversary of the Parkland shooting, uh, Joni Ernst was fundraising off of her support for the NRA. So, I mean, she she does kind of this both ways where she gets money from the NRA and then she gets money off of her support for the NRA. So the House reauthorization bill includes protections for transgender folks and also bans individuals who have been convicted of domestic abuse or stalking, what have you, from purchasing firearms. Now, um, if you're convicted... By a jury of your peers yeah, this of isn't... domestic abuse and stalking. That really seems like that seems fine to me. This isn't the the what their their nightmare scenario that they bring up is some, you know, vindictive partner going to a judge and saying, uh, this person's bad has been stalking me, and then they take your guns away. This isn't that. This is you have been convicted of a crime, of a violent crime, because stalking is violent. Mm-hmm. Making someone feel unsafe in their home, in their work, uh, is a a violent act, if you ask me, and if you ask the law. Yeah. So removing a firearm from that person or stopping their ability to gain a firearm. I was gonna say, this isn't even it's, like it's going to save lives. This isn't period. even like removing it. It's just preventing you from getting a firearm in the first place. So this isn't even getting into like if these individuals already have firearms and what the Oh, this just prevents this, new purchases? Yes, this just prevents new purchases. What the heck, Joni? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? Protecting the NRA, not not just, Amer- yeah. not American people. Um but also the the thing that they a lot of these Republicans who are very into gun rights talk about is due process. And this is literally that's what this is. What this is. <laughs> You've you have been convicted by again, a jury of your peers of domestic abuse and or stalking, or I'm sure there are other things that um because domestic abuse isn't technically like its own that's not like a legal concept. There's right. like parts underneath right. that's like it would be like battery or assault, assault or yeah. something like that. Um 
thank you one semester of business law for teaching me that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, you're not taking anyone's due process away. This is literally the process of which you would get due process. Yes. And, and again, this is only for new purchases and this is supposed to close the so-called boyfriend loophole, which is a very heteronormative name, but I digress. Our current gun laws only stop someone from getting a gun if they're married to the person they've been abusing. So that really leaves out a lot of people who are very much in danger of being shot, being killed, or even, I mean, even just kind of held against their will. You don't have, just knowing that there's a gun in the house can often have a chilling effect on like your ability to leave. Yep. Because, oh, if I try and leave, He'll shoot me because, and or it's more of an, me. yeah, or come after me. So it's more of an intimidation or, technique. Or the people around me, because a lot yeah. of mass shootings begin with, with the, the shooting of uh, an intimate partner. Yeah. Domestic violence is one of the biggest indicators of the propensity to commit mass violence. Yeah. Which that's literally what this bill is about. The Violence Against Women Act is literally about like staving off these kind of situations right. and, prov- and providing women and, now that we've added um, transgender folks and more people into this, that preventing these people from just living a life filled with violence. And I, the NRA is its own like can of worms about everything. But this just seems like something so abhorrent that like you're trying to hold up funding for the Violence Against Women Act. She says she's going to have her own bill. Yep. But, but like... A.K.A. the NRA's bill. Right. Like, <laughs> the Violence Against Women Act was passed and signed in 1994, which was the year that I was born. Mm-hmm. And so it's 25 years old. And it was meant to stave off uh, and prevent and provide protections for people who've experienced gender-based violence and intimate partner violence. And it's been reauthorized on a bipartisan basis pretty much up until this point. Well, even now, the House bill had, third, what, 33 Republicans yeah. voting for it? Yeah. So this this talking point that it's a radical left bill out of, you know, coming from Joni Ernst yeah. is... It, you know, those radical leftist Republicans. It's, it's crap. Yeah. And she won't say... What she won't say what these provisions are that are stopping it, just that it, it partisan talking points, and she stopped there. The very, the very, the vague, you know, partisan talking points. Ooh, it's stopping it, but she won't say what it is. And I, a lie of omission is still a lie. Oh yeah, even Chuck Grassley has been a part of these reauthorizations in the past, and it just seems like. I mean, it's not like an odd sticking point because of all of the NRA money that has gone into our government, but. And I'm sure they're all squicked out about like protections for transgender people because they have their own like retrograde thoughts about transgender people being humans and allowed to like live full prote- productive <laughs> lives without the threat of violence constantly Heaven hanging forbid. over them. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid, especially with the the extreme violence against trans women of color, especially yeah. that the house bill, I mean, I don't know how far it goes with these protections, but I would imagine it goes further than we've ever gone before. And which, anything, would then be, any, yeah. and anything An would be would great. Be. Uh, but this like the violence against women act as a like 25 year old bill has done so much for 
the the like gender-based violence and intimate partner violence it established the national domestic violence hotline that has helped so many people get out of like really terrible situations there's also an office of the office on violence against women within the department of justice and there's so many programs that it's that it's put forward to train victim advocates police officers prosecutors and judges and so it's really changed the culture around domestic violence and gender and gender-based violence and more than seven billion dollars have gone into this in grants and it's funded these this she's holding up funding that funds like shelters community programs and studies tracking the violence that is happening but i suppose this also goes against that if we throw guns in there there's been such a stranglehold on research about gun violence that I'm sure this is also what the NRA also doesn't want because if we throw guns into this thing about studies tracking violence against women, we're going to get gun data too, which is going to, I mean, I feel like if anyone has not like caught on to the fact that having a gun in your home makes you more likely to die by that gun, and especially if you are, especially if you're a woman, if you're a woman in a household with a gun, you are more likely to be killed by that gun. It's taking, it's playing, she's the one playing politics yeah. with people in their most desperate situations. Yeah. You know, the and, most desperate p- points of their life. If you need to go seek shelter from your home because your partner is possibly going to kill you, that's, I can't think of a more desperate situation for someone to be in. I also like, this also ties kind of back in with like, she calls herself pro-life and she is so bought into this culture of guns. And this is really, passing the Violence Against Women Act is really a pro-life act because it's literally saving people's lives. It has and it will continue. It has and it will. And it's added, I mean, throughout its history, we've continued to add things into it. Like even in the 2013 reauthorization, they added protections in for indigenous women who go through an insane amount of like ridiculous and terrible violent acts that the there's an epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women that does not get the attention that it deserves. No. And I mean, I would hope that this new authorization included maybe more funding, maybe some more protections, maybe more... Um, studies about the missing and murdered indigenous women epidemic and like how we're going to find all of them because we need to start, you know, practicing what we, if we're calling this the violence against women act, we need to be protecting all women. And that yes. includes like, especially trans women of color uh, and indigenous women and just everyone across the board. And that's I, why, that's why it's so important to have, have, have it reauthorized every so often so that we can make the necessary changes that we need to, you know, update things that aren't working, add in people who we've left out previously. Mm-hmm. This is why this makes me way too angry for 9.30 in the morning yes. <laughs> that this is being held up Yeah, I- because of the NRA. The next big story of the week is that finally the case on DACA um, and the, the Dreamers has finally reached the Supreme Court and oral arguments were heard. On Tuesday. So um, I've been following this story for the past couple years because we made these people a promise that they could come out from the shadows and not have to be afraid anymore of being deported. And they've just been living in limbo for the past couple years because in the past, 
Donald Trump had said, you know, I support DACA recipients and we're not going to deport them. But guess what? He, he lied. He lied slash changed his mind slash no, he saw lied. a squirrel or something <laughs> like that. And which I'm not shocked by because he is, I cannot think of a more incompetent person. And I like every time that I look at the news and I see that he's, I, you know, do you ever wake up and you're like, oh my God, Donald Trump is still the president. Yeah. And you're like, God, what? What happened? <laughs> right. So the you know these people have been living in a in a will he won't he nightmare every day for you know since he was elected. Yeah. Because uh, he could pull he could pull the plug on this at any moment. And I mean, thankfully we've had the courts to back us up on this one. But with how many radical conservative extremists he's putting into these positions, I mean, I don't think we can rely on the courts for very much longer to kind no. of provide this check. Right. Um, and so the, going a little bit into the history of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or also known as DACA. So the the problem with it is that because it was... Well, this isn't a problem necessarily, but it since it was implemented by executive order, DACA has never been a permanent solution. So every two years, recipients have to reapply to the program, and it doesn't offer a pathway to citizenship for them or the family that brought them to the U.S. Um, and this President Obama signed this basically because Congress failed to pass what is known as the DREAM Act, which was actually put forward by, I believe, Orrin Hatch and Dick Durbin. Yeah, Im- immigration reform in the pa- in the in the last in the second Obama term was a bipartisan mm-hmm. uh, initiative, mostly in the Senate. Once it hits the House, uh, you know, John Boehner killed it mm-hmm. because... And then Paul Ryan. And then Paul Ryan, because they, neither of them, they wanted to keep their jobs. He was steering the school bus fire that was the House in the second Obama term. This was probably the biggest failure of our government uh, in the second Obama term, uh, not not passing this, because this could have this could have solved... The problem. What after since Congress failed to pass that, President Obama signed an executive order creating this program, and our good buddy Steve King called, called it an abuse of executive power, which he seems to be awful quiet about these days. Uh, now that Donald Trump is maybe the executive, uh, which is weird because he has a lot of time on his hands. Yeah, he does no committee have a, assignments. I guess. Uh, but back when he didn't have as much time, he also authored uh, an amendment. Probably not. He probably made someone else do it for him. Uh, when nearly all the Republicans in the House and actually three Democrats voted to defund the DACA program, Ugh. which one of the things that I hear about DACA recipients is that like uh, people make the jump between undocumented to illegal, which is not a good thing to be saying about your fellow humans like no human being is illegal thank you thank you um basically what we hear a lot about immigration is that it's too easy to get into this country or something to that effect when it really you have to complete a whole laundry list of things to get daca status and then you have to renew it every two years and it's an expensive process you have to have all kinds of documentation to prove... It's like 500 bucks, isn't it? Yeah, it's 500 bucks, which, like, given how our... In this economy, (laughs) we can't be throwing around 500 bucks willy-nilly. Most people can't afford a $500 expense. Like, yeah, you have two years to save up for it, but, 
you know, if you slip and fall in the driveway. Yeah. Or that's still $250 a year. Mm-hmm. And like, that's still a lot of money. $500 For is a lot, lot of, of money. Yeah. yeah. But so there, I'm going to read just a, a couple of the things that you have to tick off to receive DACA funding. So you have to have lived continuously in the United States since June 15th, 2007, which seems like a very arbitrary date to me. Maybe there's a reason, but whatever. I think it's halfway through the year. Halfway through the year. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you have to have been brought here before your 16th birthday. Um, you were under 31 on June 15th, 2012. Again, also, I, that just seems like an arbitrary date. Um, we're physically present in the United States on June 15th, 2012, or and at the time of making their request for consideration of deferred action with the uh, with USIS, and had no lawful status on that day. You have to have completed high school or a GED, have been honorably discharged from the armed forces, or are enrolled in school, and you can't have any sort of criminal history. You can't have been convicted of a felony or serious misdemeanors or three or more other misdemeanors, and you cannot pose a threat to national security or public safety. I don't know that many of my neighbors that could pass that. Right. So you're saying that Steve King's calves the size of cantaloupe's line was complete and utter horse crap? Yes. Also, I don't think Steve King could fit all of these. (laughs) I generally think that Steve King poses a threat to public safety. There are members of Congress who can't. Yeah, no, there are definitely members of Congress who can't fit all of these criteria. (laughs) And, And then to have to basically prove every two years that you are all of these things. And I mean, we, it also gets into the thing that like people should not have to be good to like be worthy of like being in this country. People don't have to prove that they're good. Yeah. No. Also you don't, I, I bring up again, Donald Trump is our president. He could not get some of these, like he could not pass this test. And I, I don't like the idea of like, we have to have an exemplary, immigrant or like the perfect immigrant or something because like yeah people people are flawed people are flawed people are people and like i mean you don't you shouldn't have to be like valedictorian best of the best or anything just to get a chance to be to be safe from like gang violence from you know being in the middle of a civil war or just generally things that like I think we are so sheltered here, here to, yeah. to get a job. Yeah. Here to get a job, to have just get a, better, a job, to have <laughs> a better life, to support your family and make sure that, you know, you have, you have a shot at the quote unquote American dream. And these people that have DACA are our neighbors. There are bankers, there are nurses, our doctors, and, they're they're everywhere. There's, but they're trying just as hard, if yeah, not harder, yeah. than those of us who don't have to go to a judge every two years, drop five hundred bucks, and have to explain all the all the ways that we're great. Yeah. Oral arguments for McAleen versus Vidal were this week on Tuesday, and there was a great article in Vox about the namesake of this case, Martin Batala Vidal, about how he was able to get DACA status and allowed him to build a future here. And he's back in college trying to pursue a career as an occupational therapist. And he's been able to be this an economic support 
slash sole provider for his mother and his younger brothers. But this has also allowed him the safety to feel like he will be accepted when he came out as gay and feeling like he a sense of belonging that like we're all searching for a sense of belonging. Yeah. And it's the fact that they've had to work so hard for that sense of belonging, I think just means that they deserve it even more. And so the National Immigrant Law Center says that courts across the country have repeatedly agreed with the plaintiffs, a.k.a. the uh, DACA recipients, in their assertion that the Trump administration's termination of DACA was arbitrary and capricious with callous disregard for the major disruption this sudden move would cause, which I think just about sums up the Trump administration as a whole. Yeah. Arbitrary and capricious with callous disregard for the major disruptions that their moves would cause. So if you are a DACA recipient and are, you know, living in this kind of back and forth, will he, won't he, um, we just want to extend our, you know, our best wishes and our thoughts and love and light to all of you. The podcast version of a hug. Yes, the podcast, unless you're not a hugger, in which case, you know, like, <laughs> we don't, we don't Dabs. want... Dabs. <laughs> Who are you? Just... <laughs> How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> so the other big story of the week is uh, the impeachment hearings have finally gone public. And they're they're happening right now as we record this. Yes, I believe it is Marie Yovanovitch. Marie Yovanovitch, who is speaking right now. But so I have not had uh, the chance to really watch fully this week. But I know Greg has, and Greg has some thoughts. I was waiting for uh, Midwest Basement Systems to come on <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesday morning. So I was home uh, upstairs on the couch and working, and I had, you know, decided to stream the uh, the impeachment hearings along with, you know, 13-plus million people. You didn't think it lacked pizzazz? I did not think it lacked pizzazz. There were several points where I, my, I just I shouted out, holy crap. It was all during Jim Jordan stuff. <laughs> oh, God. He does that thing where he says really dumb stuff, but he talks really fast. Yes. He, he Ben Shapiro's, as I said. Yes. Um, Which is actually a rhetorical strategy. Like, yeah. if you talk really fast, people think that you're saying correct stuff. Yeah. Uh, basically, what we saw on Wednesday were, and what we're seeing today, are nonpartisan public servants, people who have been willing to serve our country no matter who the president is, to try to make a safer world. Uh, people who put their, put their country first back up everything that the whistleblower said. We don't need to see the whistleblower. We know what the whistleblower said. It's in his report. These people are corroborating that evidence, and it's damning. It's damning for the Trump administration. It's showing a complete lack of respect for the Ukrainian people, for the rule of law, and making a mockery of everyone in that country who is trying to actually battle corruption by trying to corrupt them. There's this... this I, you the, know, the irony is too much. I know. There's this new president who's elected on a platform of, I'm going to stop the corruption. It stops with me. And one of his first... You know, we got the biggest al their biggest ally, the United States of America, calls him up and says, "Hey, do this corrupt thing for me." You got to be sitting sitting there holding the phone, like, "What in the hell? <laughs> What's going on here?" 
And the Republican arguments boiled down to a couple things. The, the, the Fox News fever dream arguments of uh, Ukraine deserved Trump's scrutiny. Uh, I really liked that deserved word this week. They deserved it. Yeah. They, they, because he, because Trump heard that Ukraine wanted Clinton to win and we're trying to make that happen. So, so they deserved his, his scorn and scrutiny and extra scrutiny. Um, okay. They talk about like liberals not getting over the 2016 election. Oh my God. Um, could, did they hear themselves? <laughs> uh, the, the next one, the, the DNC's email server is, you know, stashed in some Ukrainian guy's closet and he's just trying to find it. He's, you know, he's got Columbo out there going door to door in apartment buildings. That you would, seen the server around? I really want a movie about that now. Right? I feel like that would be great. Bill Barr is in, in Kiev with a magnifying glass. <laughs> Looking for a ser- looking for a server. It's like the new Where's Waldo. Yes. Or like Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Exactly. <laughs> the loot. The- <laughs> uh, and then the the last one was the their last line of defense is you weren't there, you didn't hear the phone call, you weren't on the call, and that argument makes no sense. Yeah, and, because everything is recorded in our government, well, or if, at the very least it should be. It's going to be, it, it's going to be debunked next week when they have Gordon Sondland, yeah. you know, the <laughs> former, amba- the, the current ambassador yeah. to the EU come in, who was on all these calls and took this, this, you know, we just learned about restaurant phone call, which that's a whole nother can of, you know, unsecure worms, him taking a, an unsecured phone call, from the president of the United States in a public place on an unsecured phone. I'm that, just like, that call has been recorded. I'm and just stashed. picturing like some guy in like a, like some Mater D walking out with like the phone on a silver plate. Like <laughs> Mr. Sunland, you have a call. Yeah. Well, he was delivering the phone on the silver platter. The uh, Russians were served up that, uh, that phone call on yeah, a silver there's, platter There's as another well. silver platter at the other table. That's like, Hey, listen in. <laughs> and you don't even need a silver platter. You just need to lean over and yeah. listen apparently. Cause you got two, uh, two state department staffers who overheard this, this phone call. The, the sheer incompetent. It, again, we've called it it's, stupid Watergate before, but like it is stupid Watergate. It is. So when when Sondland testifies next week, uh, Jim Jordan is going to look even dumber for this argument. Man, who thought who thought that day would come? <laughs> Jim oh, Jim Jordan is just. I wrote in my notes that Jim Jordan is hysterical just because yeah he talks so quickly because he thinks that he's trying to like construct a new narrative, which I suppose like, I think he was, I know he's been an attorney, but I am much, I don't know much about his career, but I mean, that's like defense attorney one Oh one where you like introduce another scenario. So that you you muddy the water. So it's all, it just all becomes too much for, for regular people to, to be able to handle. And so you, they end up just thinking, Oh, this is all just politics and get more cynical and don't turn out because yeah. everyone's bad. Ugh. It's worked before. I know. And they're hoping it'll work again. So that's all this week for What a Week. Thank you, Lauren, for having me in here. Thank you for guest hosting with me and also producing and editing this episode <laughs> to boot. I'm a man of many talents. Yes, Matt you are, will be Greg. back next week. Uh, until then, take care. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are recorded, mixed, and edited by Greg Howenstein. 
For more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.